Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams, along with Skeeter Robinson. And as we uh, get prepared for this upcoming week, Skeeter, we've got ourselves something a little different than what we have seen a lot this year. We've had a few spots where we had courses that were, like the RBC we had a couple of weeks ago. They hadn't played in quite a while. This, the Rocket Mortgage, is going to be basically an unknown course for us as we're uh, the first time held at the Detroit Golf Club. So we get ready for Rocket Mortgage. We'll first look back at the Travelers Championship. I like to always ask you, what can we take from last week and put into this week with this coming week being such an unknown? Is there anything? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to kind of figure out what in the world we're going to do with a, with a course we've never seen before. Like, we don't even know how it plays. Um, so, but from last week, a couple of things. I mean, number one, uh, that uh, the, the MDF on Saturday, which I, I usually like to take my chances on the MDF, but it, it bit me because I lost Troy Merritt, who shot like five over, and early early Saturday morning, Kepka and Reeve, or not Reeve, Kepka and Grillo were looking like they were going to miss, and it looked like this was going to be a complete, utter disaster, but they ended up making it. So I, if there's no MDF, I at least get a fourth round out of, um, out of Merritt, I'd probably cash. Because I ended up Paul Casey with the T5, but um, well, other than that, um, I think the two biggest stories are this Ches Reeve finally getting a second career win. Um, he's been playing well for the past yeah. year and a half. Um, it was due. I was on him at the U.S. Open. I, that was probably my best call. I just, I didn't, you know, I thought he was maybe a, more of a West Coast uh, person, and but. Um, you know, good to see him win. I think just more from a let's get rid of the fantasy. For as well as he's played for the past, this as, as I say, year and a half, he deserves he deserves a second win. So I was happy to see that. And you know, that's and what's amazing is I think it's probably the second best story. The best is Zach Sucher, who um, who finishes T two, and this is after he had a five shot or what was it? I think over the course of three holes, ten, eleven, and twelve on Saturday. He went from being up three or four on Reefy to down two because he went bogey, double, double. And so, I mean, he was falling apart a little bit, but he was able to turn around, had a nice round Sunday, T2. He's able, he, I think he got enough uh, points to be able to maintain his card for the rest of this year and potentially next. And he were, and I think I read something earlier today that, you know, he he's had a couple of major surgeries because it was about two years ago where he had a, take his medical leave and it was at one point that he was um on credit card debts basically they were living off credit cards Dang. so so you know you, you love hearing the stories about that he's like well i don't i don't know what my points are but i know i'm out of debt now so you know that's just a great story he's actually been playing well on the okay he's been playing well on the former web.com tour which is now known as the corn fairy tour yeah as we were talking yesterday, I'll probably just call it the web. I know it's just so easy. <laughs> it's so easy, but I'll probably if I catch if I catch myself saying the web, I'll say corn fairy. But um, but I no. Will try. So, so I think that was the best story is uh, Suture and the way he just bounced back after that rough three hole stretch where he lost the lead because at one point it sounded like on Saturday he might have been running away with it, but then. You know, he just ran out of bad stretch of holes, but was able to bounce back. And, you know, those are the stories you like hearing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, as, you, as you've as you come to know, the guys I cheer for, 
generally I don't cheer for the front runners. I like to cheer for those underdogs. So uh, I am totally in agreement with that. Um, well, what – and for the record, I had two good weeks in a row. I had an absolute bomb last week. I think we all know why. Kokrak, Woodland, Hoffman uh, all had badly – bad. not Woodland, I'm sorry, uh, Boo Weekly. I'm looking at our picture for this week's Rocket Mortgage Classic. <laughs> that is a young Gary Woodland, is it not? I believe so. I think it's from 2017, so. Okay. Oh, it's not that old. Not no. That okay. No, but it was uh, Boo Weekly, Charlie Hoffman, Jason Kokrak all had poor weeks. I only set three lineups. Not one of them cashed this week. So back to the wrong side of the ledger. I will try to get it going this week. But um, as we look at the Rocket Mortgage, I mean, what can we make out of the country club here in, in Detroit? I mean, what do we uh, what do we know? I mean, I know we have a distance. It's longer than what we've seen the last couple of weeks, but it is a par 72 to make up those, what is it, 7,340 yards. Um, what, what do we know about the course? What do you think you're going to be looking at as far as statistics go? Yeah, so it is a double rough design. So, I mean, I think he typically has some trickier greens or at least some humps in them but i think that's probably gonna be the only defense um it sounds like this could be a minus 15 minus 20 type of winner that maybe the greens will keep it from being 20 but this seems very scorable from the little that i've read and seen about it uh, when i look at the scorecard there are four par fives um there's like four yeah, four par fours under 400 yards. I'm not sure there's any that are drivable. Well, I mean, not on the official scorecard. They might make, they might make one drivable, but I don't see it. Uh, par threes, a couple in the 175 range, one around 200, one 230. The par fives, the, the number four is 635 yards. So Ooh. that that's that one's probably a true three shotter. The rest of them are 550 to 575, which shouldn't be terribly long. I haven't seen pictures yet. Um, for the record, by the way, I am in Canton, Ohio. I was at the Pro Football Hall of Fame today, so I haven't uh, necessarily deep dove into this as much as I want to. That's uh, that's my Wednesday project once I get back to uh, central Illinois and to relax is to really deep dive into this a little bit more. So um, maybe include a little extra in the Wednesday update. But um, but no, this just, from what I read and saw, just does not look like it's a difficult course. So when we don't have a whole lot of history, or in this case, no history. And from the few comments I saw, I basically decided, all right, I'm going to look at a lot of the scoring stats. You know, I always use tee to green, because I think that's just a, a pretty good indicator and approach. I'll use the Fantasy National Opportunities Gain stat, which is anything 15 feet in, how many times did somebody have a putt or a chip, whether it's on a green, a fairway, fringe, whatever, from 15 feet or less. Uh, DraftKings points, birdies are better, and since there's four par fives, I will look at par five uh, strokes gained to see how they do there. Those those par fives are going to be uh, playing a little longer than the ones we played yesterday, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so and, and Skeeter the, and I uh, played yesterday when he was in the Cincinnati area. We played Elks Run, a Greg Norman design course, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but I imagine, yeah, as I was thinking that when you said there are a couple of par fours under 400, I was like, we saw a few of those yesterday, but those weren't drivable either. And well, uh, and we're not good enough to be able to take advantage of those short par fours either. <laughs> Even though I will say James did have two birdies, so that's that's right, that's right. And I might have had the shot of the uh, shot of the day or shot of the year, and by that I mean most amusing shot of the uh, day or year. 
<laughs> so so we're playing uh there's a creek in front of this green and skeeter uh hits a shot and we both i think we both shot 99 yesterday elks run not a tough not a terribly uh easy course either so i mean i felt like i played okay minus two holes but uh we we all have our blow-ups as amateurs skeeter hits a uh trying to hit a wedge over the green and i guess he got caught up in the grass or something there was a it was it was a little bit it was like a tree like five or ten yards it wasn't real much and then the creek and in this little grass there is spotty grass but it was all sand underneath so it was one of those you have to hit ball first and that's not exactly my specialty at all times so I um, I hit a little behind it, so I get a little bit of sand, so this means the ball is just not going to go very far. Hits the rocks on the other side of the creek. Bounces, hits on the rocks right by on my side of the creek. Bounces within six inches of my foot. Like I, literal, I literally hit a shot that went, oh, what, 20 yards in total, but six inches officially on Shot Tracker? It might have even gone a little more than 20. Um, but all I could think when you hit that, I was like, well, that was really fortunate because you don't have to take a stroke now because if it stays down in the creek, I mean, of course, you could have hit those rocks and, and bound <laughs> forward into onto the green too because it was just on the other side. I was like, I was like, man, that's pretty lucky. That's, a, that's at least at least only one stroke instead of two because the, the uh, stroke plus the drop. So. But as I said, it's like, I can try that shot a hundred times. Like, I've never hit a shot before where – you literally hit the, you know, it comes back at you and stay, lands right at your feet. And I think I just, you know, it was like my sixth shot or something official. And I just look at James and start laughing. And James is laughing. You know, I, think I was, was already laughing. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you might have been waiting for me to laugh before. but uh, <laughs> I wasn't, like, laughing, you know. I wasn't, like, letting it out real hard. But I already was <laughs> chuckling. I mean, you just got to laugh at that shot. Like, it'll never happen again. But, I mean, it was just. That's the first time you've ever hit one that came back to your feet? I have done that many a times. I mean, I've hit ones that hit trees that have come close, but I've never hit one that literally stopped at my foot. I've definitely had putts before going, like, uphill out of the rough on a, a few crazy greens that I haven't gotten up to the point where they would stay and come back to me. I've definitely hit and wedged before, either in a bunker or, you know, going up, approaching an uphill green that I didn't hit good that have come back and... Uh, you know, maybe not as close as that one did, but pretty. You know, I've I've had them come right back to about where I was before. It's a great feeling. <sighs> Man, makes you feel like a champion. And then we'll see. We also dodged like a brief storm or downpour, and then finished with like really dark gray skies. Uh, we finished with nasty weather coming in because that drive back into downtown was uh, <sighs> was by the time we got to downtown it was clear, but the drive there was ugly. But um. Yeah, so, no, I appreciate uh, James uh, for uh, hosting me. I got to meet Dan Klaskin Saturday night. We ate way too much food. And then last night, um, man, I had that, uh, I'm, still, I, I'm still craving that ice cream that uh, we've had, that Griter's. Griter's ice cream, Griter's. one of Cincinnati's oh, uh, Cincinnati staple foods. So. And, and you got, you say you got to meet Dan. It was almost like you were forced to, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm the one who followed, I'm the one who contacted him. Hey, we're going to be in the area, so... I just figured I had to throw some shade well, on you him. Know, he it, doesn't, you know, he's not a golf person, so he doesn't listen to this. But uh, That's all right. He still deserves and by, it. And by the way, I'm going to say something here, and James doesn't know I'm going to say this, but you want to talk about somebody who is very laid back and very professional and 
you know, has done a really good job, you know, he's a really good guy, it's James, because when we were at, we were sitting at a bar last night waiting for our food to come, and somebody, uh, one, of the bar, <laughs> one of the bartenders actually knocked over, I don't think it was James' beer, it said another beer. No, it was when they were pouring, because we were sitting right next to where the bartender puts them for uh, waiters to come and take them out. And it spills all over James, and of course the guy is just so, you know, embarrassed and apologizing, and James like, no sweat, man, it's not the first time, and just couldn't have, could have, I, couldn't, literally, you could not have handled it any better, so, um. I, I've done it to myself more than once at a bar and been that embarrassed guy, like, oh, don't I look like a fool, whether I was drunk or not. Right, uh, but, 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 you know, there's hey. a lot, there's a lot of people that would still flip out or, you know, be a little annoyed, but I, but no sense of that, you, you probably called him down, and, I mean, it was just, you know, the way James sounds is the way he is, he's a terrific guy, and he's just, oh, that was just another example of just the classiness of James Adams. Now, if it had been a Coke, I might have been like, what the heck? I, I can't have this Coke smell all over me. But, you know, it was a beer. So I was like, all right, that's a good aroma. I can deal with this. This is the, perf- the, not the perfume. This is the cologne I would wear. So so you want some uh, you want some craft beer IPA uh, cologne? Maybe, yeah. Oh, do hop. That's my, uh, that's my new cologne. Maybe not. I don't know. Oh, goodness. All right, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this tournament this week and... And uh, but yeah, I had a, I had a great time too, dude. So I appreciate you saying that. That was awesome, and uh, we definitely had a lot of fun. I would uh, I'd love to make a trip to your side of the uh, neck of the woods and play a round of golf, but it would have to be a very fortunate time for when I'm out of uh, out of work. So yeah, yeah. Um, James, the landscaper. I'm a teacher. So our uh, our how should we call this um, season? Downtime. Yes, yeah, so our downs our downtime seasons don't exactly match up. That's all right. No, I play. I play a little indoor golf in the winter. Yeah, I actually did. I actually did an indoor golf league one year. It was pretty fun. Yeah, you can come. Nice. On, you can come. On, yeah, if you ever make your way to Central Illinois, come on over. You can meet uh, Michael Waldo, and he can you can let he can challenge you on whatever, just to just to, for argument's sake. We can we can do this. All right, let's get into the Rocket Mortgage Classic. You ready to break down this field? Sure. Not my favorite field we're ever going to see, but. Uh, <laughs> It's not easy. It's not easy to get into this one because of the lack of any course history. But uh, and the field, you know, when we get into the AK, some of the names that are in there, uh, it gets interesting. But let's start 10K plus like we do every week. There's only four names up there this week. Dustin Johnson's 12K, Ricky Fowler 11-2, Gary Woodland 10-9, Hideki Matsuyama 10-2. We'll keep rolling the way we have the last couple of weeks. So Skeeter, I will ask you first. Who is the guy out of this tier that is your favorite play? DJ. I mean. Makes sense. I mean, when I look at my stats, he's first tee to green, second DraftKings points, second birdie to better, second par five strokes gain, second opportunities gained, third in approach. I mean, he's top three in every single stat. He's by far, I think, the best player in this field. Agree. I know the only knock against him outside the twelve thousand dollar price, which I don't know if we've seen a golfer at twelve K this year. Maybe we maybe we have. I don't I don't remember. But the only thing is, you know, for DJ standards, he hasn't necessarily been in best form. Twenty eighth of the Heritage, second of the PGA, twentieth at Canada, and the thirty fifth of the US Open. But the thing is at the US Open, he lost six strokes putting. Like he literally could not make a putt. And because I watched a lot of him, nice thing about the U.S. Open, you can watch a lot of golf. I mean, it wasn't like he was missing these putts greatly. He was just, 
you know, it broke a little bit more or it was just right on the edge and didn't break enough. So he was close, but his approach game is still on point. I don't think these greens will be as tough as U.S. Open greens. Like, I think they'll be tough, but, you know, six, to lose six strokes putting, DJ, I don't see that historically any time in the past year. I think he lost five at one and four at another. Yeah, you'd have to go back two years from before the last time you lost, you know, that many strokes putting. But on average, he's a better putter than that. I think the price is 12000 That's going to be the, the tough part to potentially fit in. But if I can do it, I think DJ's my guy. If you remember uh, on 18, they showed him putting out, and he was out of contention on Sunday. Uh, he even said after just missing a putt for, I forget if it was for birdie or eagle, um, he even said it's been like that all week. He had just missed one, and the comment and you know, the guys commentating on the round said the same thing that you know DJ had been all over the hole, but he just couldn't get the putts to fall. Right. So, and like you know, I saw it with my eyes as well that he he wasn't missing badly. No, and and that's putting is you know you you know it just doesn't break as much as you think, or it breaks a little bit more, or you you know you have just a little too much pace. So I mean, that's why when I see the fact he loses six strokes putting, he's still getting three-plus on approach, I have no problem with that. So my favorite play, and I certainly, I mean, you thought about all four of them, I suppose. I thought of three of the four of them that could be. My favorite play is Hideki Matsuyama. Um, He's the the lowest in DraftKings points out of these guys here recently. But I feel like he's, he's been showing some signs a little bit. 21st at the U.S. Open, 6th at the Memorial, 16th at the PGA. I don't think this field's as strong as any of those three. So I feel like he's got an advantage on the field here a little bit better. And he's the cheapest one. He's 10-2. And so I can't see a ton of difference in between these guys. Um, But of the three guys I'm interested in in this tier, I like him mostly because of the price difference between him and DJ. I get an extra 1,800 when I play Hideki over Dustin. And you know what? And that... Ultimately, you know, when we get to the guy we would consider playing, for me, it's Hideki as well, just for that reason, the $1,800 discount. He still rates out very well statistically. For me, first in the opportunities gained, DraftKings points and Burry are better. So, 15 degrees, six in approach, 18 par five strokes gained. So, from that standpoint, yes. If I, if, I, if I just cannot fit DJ into a lineup confidently, then, yeah, for me, I, I have no problem going down to Hideki. His approach has been good. He's actually gaining strokes putting in his past four tournaments, which is a good sign for him. So I wouldn't be shocked if I come Wednesday night because I only feel like I'm playing one lineup this week. I don't think I'm going to throw a second one. I wouldn't be surprised if when I get there it's Hideki as the guy. I would also play Ricky Fowler. I can't quit him. He's 11-2, and, in the, and look, I would also play Dustin if I come to – a spot if I start to build lineups from the bottom up because I will probably end up playing a couple even though I'm not feeling really confident I'll put a few three dollar bullets out there but Ricky I can't quit him he's 11-2 so I save that 800 on Dustin if I'm sitting there with 12k left I'm going to play Dustin over Ricky but you already went through Dustin there's no reason not to like him my thought was this field gets long the, the turn with the course being a little bit longer this could be where Dustin gets out of that little bit of funk because his length helps but uh, besides considering him, I would also play Ricky. The guy's been pretty rock solid this season. Yeah, he missed the cut at Charles Schwab. And yeah, he was 43rd at the U.S. Open. But he's been pretty solid throughout the course of this season. He's my fade. 
of this group. Um, oh. I mean, I just look at the stats for the past five tournaments, and there's nothing jumping out. He's been good tee to green, but there's no factor into this that's really jumping out. I mean, his approach has been gr fine. His around the green game has been fine. His off the tee has been slightly above average. His putting has kind of been up and down, but there's just nothing for me sticking out here. 11-2 feels like a, I, mean, I just don't feel like he's in great enough form to pay 11-2 for. I'd rather play 10-9 for Gary, but I think for me, Gary's in one, I, he's number three for me, just because I want to see how he does after, you know, after the major. How does he do when his first start out? And we've kind of seen golfers who won the first major kind of struggle a little bit after that initial win. Obviously, there's only one left person left for me to fade. That's Gary Woodland. I mean, I was stoked to watch him win the U.S. Open, not just because he was in a, a lineup of mine, uh, just because the shoes, the dude seems like a good guy. But let me just look at this right here, the reason I probably fade Woodland out of this group. Not probably, I will. You hit the nail on the head a lot with the fact that it's his first uh, tournament after his first major. Let's take out the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. Two of the last three tournaments he played, which, by the way, he finished first and tied eighth. The other tournaments going back for a while, tied 52nd, cut, 32nd, cut, 30, 36th, 17th, but that's all the way back at WGC Mexico in February. So outside of the PGA and the U.S. Open, Gary Woodland has been very mediocre. If I'm going to pay 10-9, I need a top 10 floor with a win ceiling. I don't see that from Gary Woodland here. That's fair. Um, so... No, I'm with you. Again, he's third for me. I I think it's DJ Hideki, then a gap to Ricky, then a gap or to Woodland, then a gap to Ricky for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can get behind that. I get why you would fade Ricky. I'm willing to look past uh, two of his last three tournaments being pretty bad, but that's because, as we know, Ricky's one of those guys I just can't quit. So. Well, and, and, I, and I just looked this up real quick, too, because I know he, he is a sponsor for Quicken Loans and the Rocket Mortgage. So I, I went back to how has he done here in a pat in this tournament in the past? He's actually done very well, and the reason I did that is because when he plays the Farmers back in January, he's also a sponsor for Farmers, and he's mm -hmm. kind of not had a great history there. So I was wondering if there was a potential angle of you know when he has to spot you know when it's one of his sponsors, how does he play? But that must must be you know for whatever reason, Tory Pines must not be as good of a fit for him as or that time of year so and i i do remember fading him in the farmers because of that very reason thinking that he had other obligations but right so yeah, that's, and we've been seeing that i think it's the rocket mortgage commercial we've been seeing a lot lately with the uh um him being interviewed after a putt right so that's that's why i looked at that but. fair enough fair enough let's get to the 9k tier um i think i have a feel for this tier but I mean, I'm telling you, once it gets past 10K, it's hard for me to say I feel really good about anything. Um, I'll go first with the guy I, w I like the best in this tier. It's Billy Horschel. It's mostly price. He's 9K. He's the cheapest one. Uh, we'll, we'll give you the prices of these guys because there's only six of them. Brant Snedeker's 9.9. Ches Reavy, 9.7. Ryan Moore, 9.5. Patrick Reed, 9.3. Kevin Kisner, 91. And Billy Horschel, an even 9K. Horschel, he was 32nd at the U.S. Open, 9th at the Memorial, 19th at Charles Schwab, 23rd at PGA. So his last month plus has been really rock solid, and he's 9K. 
and I don't really have a feel for this this tournament, this this place that they're playing at. He's made 17 of his last 18 cuts, which is about as good as anything you're going to see in this tier as well. So I like Billy Horschel. I I mean, again, of course we haven't seen play. It's hard for me to go bonanza with a, a rousing endorsement. Yeah, for me, and and maybe this is a problem in the field. When I look at Billy Horschel, if he was 7,800 with his finishes, I'm fine with. When he, when he's 9K, I want somebody who has more top 10 potential. I get it. I mean, we're not we're not at like we're not August yet. Billy Horschel time for FedEx Cup playoffs. Who he's kind of done that before. I mean, his approach game has been really good recently. His off the tee game has been pretty good. Like he's playing fine. I just I don't know. I when I see the finishes. Do I want to pay 9K for that? I don't know. But I, again, maybe it's just part of me. I gotta get used to this being a slightly weaker field. Mm-hmm. For, for me, I'm really gonna be curious to see what his ownership is because. Typically, people do not like playing guys off of a win, but Chez Revy is just jumping out my models. Um, lo- you know, when I when I look short term, he's top five. Long term, he's top ten. In fact, he's top seven in every single one of those. Um, over the past twenty four rounds, for me, sixteen to green, seventh in DraftKings points, and no worse than twenty second opportunities gained. That's his quote unquote worst stat. Been gained. I mean, gained over six. Uh, 6.7 strokes in approach each of the last two tournaments. Uh, Putter did get a little hot to Travelers, but coming off a third and a first, I mean, he he's one who does when he gets when he plays well, he you know he keeps it up for a little bit of time. 9700 seems high on him. I don't hate him though. I I think he's my favorite play in the tier. If he was coming off of a second or a third, I think he'd be my favorite play. I'm reluctant to play a guy who's now playing in his third consecutive week, who's come off the U.S. Open, finished third, won the Travelers. I mean, that's a grind right there. I'm a little reluctant to throw him in there as my fave. But if he was coming off of a second or a third and didn't have that relief of the win, he might be my fave in this tier. Um, He is a guy I would also play. I will also play Ryan Moore in this Mm -hmm. tier. Um, He's been good enough lately i mean he didn't make the cut at the pga 15th to travelers 33rd at the memorial um again i mean it boils down to me not really liking the other three besides the three we've mentioned here because ryan moore has only made 12 of 17 cuts you know his DraftKings points aren't jumping off the table but i mean the reality is i don't want to play snedeker i don't want to play reed i think i'm fading kisner a little bit yep. so that leaves ryan moore and and chez is my guys i would play besides billy horschel so it's almost like uh, addition by subtraction, if you will, here that Ryan Moore becomes my guy here. Moore rates out top 12 long-term, like anything from 24 to 100 rounds. Last 12 rounds tends to be the only slight issue with him, but outside of that, 7th in approach, 14th in DraftKings points, 12th par 5 strokes gain. His, again, quote-unquote worst stats, 21st tee to green. I... For me, he's a clear second one. It was between him and Reeby for me, and I just like Reeby's recent form better. Um, we have seen a little better better approach from Moore the past two tournaments. I just, I think he's, it gets still hard to pay 9500 for Ryan Moore. Yeah, it is. But he's the same class of player as Snedeker and Reeby, I think, when he's on his game. So he's probably priced right, but... 
I'm with you. There's nobody else in this 9K range that I really want to deal with. Who do you fade the most of the other three? I mean, Snedeker at 9,900. He's not playing well enough. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he'll get real popular because this is just a high price. But 43rd, 77 the past two tournaments, I'm not paying 9,900 for somebody with that, with Snedeker's pedigree. He is my last-ranked guy in this tier as well. Um, I had Reed at number five. It could easily be Kisner, but yeah. Reed, while he's making a ton of putts, he's making a lot of cuts. He didn't make the cut at the PGA. He barely made the cut at the U.S. Open, but made the most of it to get back to 32nd. But he's just not, you know, there's no top 10 potential with Reed right now to me. There's really no almost almost no top twenty potential with Reed for me right now, and so I'm not going to pay ninety three hundred for him. But he is one though that I will say that he doesn't have great form, but he doesn't need form. Like I believe he has one before off, you know, terrible form. So it's he wouldn't shock me if he won. In this field, it wouldn't shock me either. I mean, I feel like he's probably a much better player than everyone until you get to. He's probably the fourth best player quote-unquote in this tournament yeah behind Johnson Fowler and Matsuyama I think Reed's probably the number four talent well talent which, which, talent which all of a sudden makes me maybe think I want I shouldn't fade him as hard I mean talent wise he's probably the best player in this tier long term but just oh in the tier yes form wise no yeah so all right we're on the same page to an extent here in the 9k range the 8k range I think we have 11 different players and I will tell you this I just don't know. Um, I'll let you go first with who your favorite play is in this tier. You know, I'm, I'll am i be perfectly honest. I don't think I'm playing anybody from this tier. Okay. I get why. I can see why. If I, I mean, I just I just tried something, and this might be the week for me. Like I, just, I was like, okay, can I fit DJ and Hideki in a lineup? Like, do I like enough? Guys, seven k below enough to try it, and I won't say I'm in love with it. But this week, yeah, it might not be the worst idea. So I might, I literally might go with that. But if I decide that's a little too risky for my blood, um, there are two plays I like in the eight k range. My favorite is Duffner eight k. Like he is, he is playing decent golf right now. He's finally kind of gotten out of his slump. Um, thirty fifth at the U.S. Open, I believe he was in contention for a day or two, and then. He lost two, two strokes putting prior to that. Seventh at Memorial. We saw a fourth at Wells Fargo. So we're seeing signs out of him approach-wise that it that his game is coming back. He's eighth tee to green, eighth in DraftKings points, 13th at approach. The only thing that worries me slightly here is he's not he's about average par five strokes gained. But at 8K, I can see him getting really popular just because there's, I mean, do we really think that some of these youngsters are better than Duffner right now? Like, no, maybe maybe, maybe they will be, but they're not right now. By the way, I'm, I'm mad DraftKings priced somebody in this range because I was all ready to use him, and I think you know who that is. In the, in this 8K range? Yes. Oh, yeah, I know you were going to. At I the very top your, of the 8K yeah. range, too. I figured he was your favorite play. He's, like, right in the middle for me. That's Joaquin Neiman. Um, he's in the middle of this tier for me, and it's because of his pricing. But uh, my favorite play in this tier is Jason Duffner as well. Okay. Um, it's the price. It's like you said, he's playing well. Um, 
But there are two guys that you know I will go back to in this tier. And uh, Kokrak killed me. I'm not going to go overloaded on him. And his form is really starting to unravel. 69th, 23rd, 62nd didn't make the cut. Um, those are his last four finishes. So the, the hot summer that he had started, or spring, I guess, if you will, seems to be evaporating. But in this field, I'll probably take a rip at him. Uh, Rory Sabatini, um, 43rd at the U.S. Open, 27th Memorial before that, a nice run, 6th, 5th, 18th, 10th. I'll go back to Sabatini. Um, he's probably my number two play in this tier. For me, Sabatini is third for me. He was one of like, he was like the last guy cut from this tier, so AKA play him will probably top ten. Um, yes. Streelman though, eighty six hundred. He just continues to play well. He's number one in approach for me. Second Tita Green, fifth in DraftKings points, eighth Birdie or better. And when I look at anything from eight to fifty rounds, he's top ten. 100 rounds, 26 would be a slight concern, but he's just playing so well right now. He can score a little bit. I'm trying to pull up his individual numbers here. His approach, he's gained on approach in, six, in his past six tournaments. His putter's been coming around a little bit, has been able to scramble a little bit. Off the tee is the only slight concern, but I don't know. Again, just at this course, I don't know what to expect, but he has four top 15s in his last six starts. 8,600, I know it seems a little high on him, but in this field, like, it probably makes some sense. I uh, I have him right in the middle of the tier as well. That's about where I stopped playing, guys, is the Neiman, Streelman type uh, level. So, who are you not playing in this tier? Um, I mean, we know everyone, but <laughs> who, who's your hardest fade, and we'll say? I was probably gonna be Bubba Watson. Um, he's my sec. He's my tenth out of eleven. Like, when you look at this field, you see Bubba eighty-seven. So like, oh wait a minute, you know what am I missing here? But even in a tournament that he has done really well at the Travelers, he did nothing. He finished fifty-fourth. I think he was good after mm -hmm. the second round, but just didn't do anything. You have to go back to the Masters when he was twelfth, and ever since his miscut, sixty-third miscut, fifty-fourth, his fourth week in a row. He just doesn't, you know, maybe he, maybe he finds something this week, but I just can't play Bubba at 87. Yeah, I agree with you totally. Um, and, you know, as I look at the eight -tier, eight, 9K tier, I'm like, Bubba belongs in this tier. And then I look deeper, and I'm like, not only does he not belong in this tier, he's one of my least favorite guys in the 8K tier. Why don't you take that name value away from him? Uh, the guy I'll fade on top of Bubba for me is Brian Harmon. I mean, I get it. He's coming off of an eighth last week. But before that, 50th, 27th, 31st, oh, respectable run. Cut, cut, 24th, cut, cut, cut. This guy's made 12 of 22 cuts. That's just over 50%. I uh, can't, can't play that. He rates out pretty well from, from a short term. Um, cause, you know, so ever since Wells Fargo, 24th, miscut, miscut. Okay. But he's all over the place. Like, I understand why you're doing it. Just... Not really to be trusted, but, and that's, you know, and this is at the point now, too, where we start, you know, is there a ton of difference between, say, Kevin Tway 8,100 than maybe the top half of the 7Ks? I don't know. Mm-mm. I don't think so. I don't either. I don't at all, so. Well, shall we go to the next tier? Yes, um, I, I, I think this is now the obligatory, um, a point of the show where you uh, profess your love for one Charles Hoffman. 
I don't know if he can be my favorite play in this whoa, tier, whoa, whoa, though. Oh, two weeks in a row? No char. Oh, man. Well, I mean, my favorite play in the tier he was in last week didn't make the cut either in Co-Crack. Uh, he doesn't make the cut last week, although I'm guaranteeing you I will play him. He made a valiant effort to get back inside the cut line with a 67 on Friday, but it just wasn't enough after a tough start. I don't think Charlie is my favorite play in this tier. I'll be really honest. I, I mean, I am just all over the place with this particular tier and really for the rest of this entire tournament. Mm-hmm. If I'm picking one, I don't. I mean, I, I really just, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm going Jimmy Walker with my favorite play in this tier. Didn't make the cut at the U.S. Open, but had a nice little run before that, 35th, 19th, 23rd. He is a major champion. He didn't make the cut at the Byron Nelson, but was in the 40s and the 30s going all the way back to April. So he's mostly making cuts at 7,700. I think Jimmy Walker's my favorite play. I sound really enthused about it, don't I? I mean, (laughs) no, because I sat here like, okay, uh, who do you pick? Who's everybody like, like? Man, I don't know if I like any of these. I mean, to to declare his favor, I have, I have people 7K. I mean, low 7K range. I don't mind playing, but, but for me, if I you know, if I had to pick somebody here, it's Vaughn Taylor. Um, gained yeah. strokes and approach five of his or four of his past five tournaments. Was fourth last week. Seems to do okay in some of these courses where you can score a little bit. Um, eleventh in opportunities gained, twenty first DraftKings points. When I, when I look at him as far as long-term, short-term, he's top 30 over everything 24 to 100 rounds. He's top 15, 12 rounds or least. So at 7,600, he, he never gets really popular. Like, he'll, he'll, he might threaten 10%, but he'll be under that probably. So at 7,600, I don't mind that. Um, I'll just quickly mention other guys I do have interest in because I, I actually did start Charlie, so I have some interest. Um... Sung Kang rates out decently well in the scoring stats for me. Uh, Peter Melnati, who I should have played last week and didn't, who was first, mm-hmm. near a first-round leader. Uh, JJ Spawn popping up always concerns me a little bit, so I probably won't, I'll probably avoid him. Uh, Homa rates out top, top 27 in every single stat I look at over the past 24 rounds. Uh, Zach Suter, you know, again, with a good form, off the web slash Corn Fury Tour, the second place last week. He actually does make a little bit of sense when you start looking long-term. And then I, I'll go back to Troy Merritt, even though he burned me on Saturday at 7K. And then even Cameron Tringali has been playing some decent golf. So those are kind of the ones I've started right now. Maybe I'll add to that by Wednesday night, but we'll see. I will add Benny on to that list. I know he didn't make the cut uh, last week. But a 16th and a 17th the previous two weeks, I will add him to that list. Um, you know, his track of missed cuts before, you know, as you go back into early May and then leading before that, three missed cuts in a row was tough. Um, you know Hoffman's on my list, of course. Uh, there's no question about that. I can't argue with Malnati. Varner, uh, I, I mean, I may throw him in a lineup now. He's coming off at the 35th and a 21st. So maybe that uh, horrendous 81 to finish the PGA Championship is behind him. And then this is a field where I think Varner makes the cut, so at 7,400, I think he makes sense. Um, you, hit the, you hit a lot of the other guys, too, that I would, I would, I would agree with. I think Suture is probably a guy that I could jump on this week, too. 
All right, let's go back to Benny on a minute. Let's let's play the how many strokes putting did Benny on lose last week game? Eight. He wasn't that bad. Okay. That was like Tokrak. Well, that was... he missed he missed the cut, so maybe he didn't have a chance to lose that many strokes. Well, no, because Kokrak Kokrak I think had lost what like six or seven strokes putting through his first nine holes or something like that. Which so, is crazy. He had been putting pretty good he, earlier. I, in the he game. had three. He had multiple three putts within twelve feet. I think he even had a three putt. Within five feet. No, he lost, Kokrak lost seven and a half strokes putting in two rounds last week, and I think it was all in the first round. Benny on was so, not that bad. Five? 5.4, which, okay. sadly for Ben on's not atypical. It's not with it, you know, it's not an outlier in his range. But um, my problem with Benny on, who was another failed one and none pick for yours truly, good team to green. He's 11th there, but 93rd British better, 85th DraftKings points. He's just not scoring right now. I, I mean, like I said, I, I'll give him a look, and I, I like some of the other guys you had, but, I mean, I can't argue with it. Volatile player. There's absolutely no question about that. Now, I, who do I think will be the most popular in this play, this range? We could see people go back to Matthew Wolf. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes really didn't burn anybody last week. Um, Luke List will get the Pat Mayo bump. Um, Charles Howell feels a little like he should be in this range, but his form isn't great. So, but yeah, there's just not, I mean, people will play Uline and Fratelli. Um, one guy who is getting a, I saw on Twitter, it might get a little bit of a bump. Um, apparently there's only one guy in this field from Michigan, and it's Brian Stewart, who a month or two ago was commonly coming up in these stat models. Uh, I, don't okay. know I don't know what he's done recently. Let's see. Um, Michigan doesn't seem like a place that would uh, spur a lot of golfers. Nice courses, though. Uh, Miscut yeah. the Travelers, and then, yeah, he had that fourth at Valero, 16 at Heritage, but ever since then, has it, 33rd Memorial is his best, so he's making cuts, but just not do a whole lot, and he lost nearly five strokes putting last week, so, I mean, yeah, that's fine, you want to play the Michigan narrative, Brian Stewart, fine, but I, not for me, I, not yet, anyway. A lot of guys, once you get into the 7K tier, that aren't worth playing, and uh, nothing against Michigan golfers. I just figured if you grow up swinging a stick in Michigan, you played hockey. You were a Red Wings fan, but hey, now wait, uh, a, now wait a minute. Steve Stricker, Jerry Kelly, both came from Wisconsin. Zach Johnson from Iowa. I mean, you know what? Hat from Canada. Graham Dillette's from Canada, even further north with yeah, more yeah, hockey yeah. interest. I know. Hey. Just a dumb thing. Let me let me have it. Oh, fine. <laughs> um, lots of guys in this tier. I'm not going to play. Uh, I'm not going to play Siwoo Kim. I know he's been a popular play and. I played him a lot early in the season. He just he's made like one cut in the last two months. So you want to talk um, about somebody who doesn't need any form to do well? Siwoo Kim. And, you know, if you're playing tournaments, I again this is, I mean I I think we can say this every week about Siwoo. Feel free to throw him in a lineup or two because you you're not going to find many guys with this with consistent winning upside or top five upside like Siwoo Kim. So in tournaments, go for it. But um. Yeah, I wouldn't go nuts on him. Anybody in particular you're absolutely fading here in this range? Um, everybody? Okay. Well, wait a minute. If you're not going to play anybody in 8K, 8K <laughs> because you're going to go DJ Hideki, is it four 6K guys after that? No, no, no. I actually have two 7K guys. Um, okay. And, yeah. we, and we did, I mean, you, you know, we what did. What you said fade, uh... You know what, fine. My official fade's Benny on because he burned me last week when I used him in <laughs> one and done. So there... I dig it. I dig it. Uh, now we get into 
the 6K tier. And in a field like this, the 6K tier is anybody's guess. Let's be real clear about that. Um, but there's probably going to be some guys that hit in this tier. Um, so, and, and there's some guy, there are some names at the top of the 6K tier, tier that I can get behind. Uh, I'll let you throw some name, a name out there first. Who's your favorite play in this tier? Um, it's a guy I've kind of been on recently, too. Uh, Seth Straka. Okay. Rates out pretty well for me statistically over 24 rounds. 10th in approach, 10th in birdies or better, 14th in opportunities gained, 23rd tee to green. So those I like. His approach numbers have been great. Off the tee has been great. His problem, can't make a putt. So last week he gained 5.9 strokes tee to green. He lost 5.9 strokes putting. In Canada, lost 5.7 strokes mm. putting. So if we just get an average putting week out of him, or even slightly below average, like at the U.S. Open, he finished 28th. He's gained 6.5 strokes to the green. He only lost half a stroke putting. If we get anything like that, he returns a lot of value. So 6,900, this is what I'm saying. I don't know if he's any different than Austin Cook right now or the U-Lines, the Steven Yeagers, the Roberto Diaz's of the world. Like, I'll take a little bit of a discount if it allows me to do a DJ Hideki lineup. Why not? I can get behind it. Um, hard for me to really pinpoint who I love in this tier because I don't love much in this tier. Um, if I was going to say a favorite play, well, I would say Ryan Armour, but it's not really. But the Ryan Armour tracker, uh, shot tracker, followed me on Twitter this week. So, <laughs> you know, what can, I, what can I do but say I would play him? Uh, I think I might go... I mean, it's it's tough. I, I Hank Leviota is another. Is, oh. It's another week where I might just throw him out. It's not like he's killing it right now, but he's only missed one cut in the last four months. And in this field, I presume he makes the cut again. It's a safe play. It's not really a like big blaster upside. He doesn't have any top tens, but I feel like if I'm going to reach right here, he's my favorite. Uh, game strokes and approach for his past five tournaments. Off the tee has kind of been neutral, slightly positive. Around the green, slightly positive. Putting, uh, slightly negative, but not terribly. He's he's the other guy. I, you know, for my favorite play is between Straka and Lebiota. Um, okay. For Hammer and Hank, 22nd tee to green, 17th DraftKings points, 27th in approach. Opportunities gain is his worst stat, 68th, but that's still slightly above average in this field, and I don't mind slightly above average at 6,900 because, again, we're not going to get everything we want. So I'm with you on him. Um, he's my second in this tier. All right. Uh, well, that makes me feel a little better about just reaching out and grabbing somebody. If I were to also play somebody in this tier, it's tough. Um, Brian Gay's a guy I like, but his three missed cuts have—he's had three missed cuts recently. Ooh. That one's tough for me to—it's tough for me to overcome. His stats are not very good. Yeah, that one's tough for me to overcome. Um, you know, JT Poston—it's a guy I've gone to in the past a little bit, but he's missed two, a bunch of cuts lately. His six at RBC Heritage seems like a far, far reach into the rear view. Um, you know, even Trey Molinax—he's made some cuts, but he's missed a lot recently before a pretty decent run. I feel like no matter who I throw out there, I mean, I'm just throwing darts. If I wanted to have fun, I could say it's Freddie Jacobson. Hey, he was 30th last week. 
but I'm not really sure I'm really going to throw him out there. Nearly six strokes approach. I mean, (laughs) you're trying to talk me in to the 6,500 sweep. All right, I just just throw that out there. There was one other guy who piqued my interest slightly because he's actually been playing. Actually, no, he hasn't. Okay, that was May that he was playing. Sean Stephanie. Uh, I think he was an MDF last week. Gained 4.2 strokes in approach, lost 3.5 putting, lost 4.2 off the tee. His approach number is very good. His off the tee numbers are not great. But, I mean, maybe you could take a flyer on him. But, yeah, at this point in this field, if we're digging down here, um, you know, Stuart Sink was a guy I was on a lot last year, early this season. I think he's just coming off a minor injury, so I would need to wait and see. Chip McDaniel is one who keeps Monday qualifying into these tournaments and finally got a sponsor's exemption into it. So I think that's another really good story, but I can't play him. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's a better story than it is fantasy play, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and those two can, uh, can certainly conflict with each other. Um, is there anybody else that we, that we want to take a look at? I mean... You know, there's names in here I like. Smiley Kaufman, but you can't get oh, back on him just yet. Uh, Adam Shank has been not terrible, but didn't make the cut last week either. Uh, any other names we even want to look at if we hit them all here in the 6K tier? I think we've hit them all. I mean, we can throw out a couple other guys, but at this point, I mean... It's just name and names. Look, there's going to be somebody in the 6K range that... There is. That's going to probably threaten, you know, a top 10 or... Being contention Saturday night going to Sunday morning, but it just we again it's just so hard to know. You know, I know there's a debate: does tournament history matter? And and that's fine, but we don't even have this week. We don't even have you know. Well, what? How does this course play? You know, is yeah. it bombers? Is it short hitters? You know, do, do we have to be good off the tee? So that's I mean, it's kind of a generic week, and I hate to say that, but that's kind of the way it is. And Unfortunately for us, we got we have to get used to it because next week the 3M up in Minneapolis that's going to be a first time at that course. Uh, then two weeks from now the John Deere that's the only one in the, recent, the next four weeks where we at least will have some course history. The bad news is that will be the weakest field of the weakest field we've seen so far this year because everybody will be heading overseas to get ready for the Open. And then even the Opens at a Royal Port Rush, which hasn't held an Open, I'll. Well, as we get closer, I'll have to dig and see if there's any, been any Euro Tour event there and see if there's anything we can leave off of that. But, um, so, yeah, this is just kind of one of those stretches where we're not going to see great fields. I think the form is going to play a role, and that's why we see, like, a Neiman at E900. We see, see Sun M with some sort of pedigree this year, 8800. Or, you know, some of these guys, you know, Cage Lee, 7900. Guys who are just not used to seeing highly priced are there just because of the lack of depth in these fields. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting interesting list of names in the higher end tier, uh, especially after you get out of that 10K tier. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think if you if you're you're looking at the field, you think you have a feeling on somebody who's going to break out or somebody who you think is playing better than they're scoring lately. I mean, this might be the week to throw them out there because there's. There's not a whole lot else to grab at. It's going to be an interesting week. Uh, any input on one and dones? I know the league we're in, we only have five weeks left. So fire fire the big guns uh, as you can, right? Well, that's my approach because I'm behind, so i got to do something. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't even looked at it yet. So let's, let, let, let me see who I would have available. This ought to be fun. 
Yeah, I know. Um, I looked at it. I, I think if I do really well these last five weeks, I have a chance to get the money, but nobody's getting the first place besides I mean, the My best option in the world, world ring is Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed, and Chez Reeve. I mean, maybe I'll play Chez. I, mean, I don't know if I want to play him one and done. Also. I, I, what I should do is I should, should just play Siwoo Kim and, uh, Maybe I'm overlooking it. I, I might need to d- d- dig a little deeper into Aaron Wise. He's, he has been playing better. This might be an okay track for him. So maybe I'll dig into him a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know who the heck I'm going with here. Well, I don't have hardly any of those names. I have Chez available. Should have played him last week. Never was going to, so I can't even act like I'm upset about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're in a one-and-done and done and I mean, if, you, if you're a one you have DJ left, this would be a great time, but... Yeah, I don't think you want... I'm not saving him for the open. I don't have him, but I wouldn't be saving him. Uh, Matsuyama, this might be a good time to fire him out there if you still got him. Um, Most people I don't use him at Phoenix. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could tell you to fire out Bubba uh, at this point. I wouldn't be firing Woodland in there if you had him still. Maybe you just look at the quality of player and play Patrick Reed, but this is a week that's going to be... Uh, I think I think I'll be digging deep because I've used some top end guys, and you know you and I I think both need to get unique. So if you're not a front runner, this is a week where just get unique. If you're out, you know you're you were out already. Unless I unless I try to be sneaky and observe the seller of Neiman and take him, but I think I want to save him for next week or John Deere. Yeah, I mean I'm just. I'm just going to fire a few names in there. I maybe just set Duffner and Jimmy Walker, and we may see what happens from there. Duffner's a good one. I, that's a good pick. <laughs> that's a good pick. Don't don't be piggyback. Well, you can piggyback my picks. You're behind me, so. Yeah. yeah well, you like that idea. Yeah, keep piggybacking. I, I had to talk a little smack there. Well, not deserving. Oh, <laughs> uh, Anything else that we're going to take from Rocket Mortgage? I mean, it's a week where I think uh, I would say – don't go overboard with your budget this week. I think that's maybe, if if you take nothing else from this week's podcast, that would be my advice. Yeah, that's that's my approach. I just don't really see myself uh, playing a whole heck of a lot just because the unknowns and in a sense, why I might YOLO it and play Hideki and DJ in a lineup and, hey, if it's two of six, oh well. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had the worst six of six. Maybe I can have the best two of six this year. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, the best two of six won't win you anything. But, uh, that's that's very true. Very true. Um, well, you got anything else to add, Skeeter? I don't. Uh, again, thanks for the hospitality. Um, oh, for sure, dude. And, uh, but no, um, for everybody. Oh, yeah, well, there's one thing we need to talk about. is um, Next week's podcast, we're recording Sunday night. I'm the reason I'm, I'm not around Monday night. So next week's podcast for the three, I have another tournament that we know history on. We will go back to the old, always popular alphabetical order where we'll start with all the golfers whose letter ended with A and B, and, you know, we'll just pick out a couple guys that we like from, you know, if we like any from a tier, from a letter, we might not, and just kind of go from there. It'll be as unknown as the course and the tournament history, correct? Right, so that means we will either, it'll be great or it'll be an epic disaster, but you know what? Who cares? We're, we're, you know, <laughs> hopefully we provide a little bit of entertainment value along the way, and you know, we can just always assume that um, that James needs to go to a doctor to see his um, his Charlie Koprak boo uh, symptoms <laughs> last week. 
Yes, as I, uh, I think I was Friday or Saturday, I text you. I'm like, well, I've got a problem. I got to go see Dr. Melfi, who was in The Sopranos, the psychiatrist that Skeeter knows nothing about. But True. yes, I, uh, I said I, I need to go see a doctor for my, for my, Boo Charlie coke crack problem. Um, I'm sure if I said that to a lot of psychiatrists, they would look at me and they'd probably tell me to go ahead and schedule about five hours of that couch time because they wouldn't even know what I mean. That's right. But whatever. Well, uh, all right, we'll wrap this one up, Skeeter. I appreciate you uh, coming in town, playing golf. I wish we could talk smack about a winner, but um, amazing that we would end up both scoring the same, shooting the same round. So it was a good time, man. I appreciate having you, and uh, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. It has been the DFS Golf Podcast here on My Fantasy Fix, and uh, good luck, everybody, this week as we get ready for the Rockets Mortgage Tournament up in Detroit. If nothing else, we're going to learn some things for next year.